Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. On today's show, I speak with actors Kristen Booth from the film Marlene and Beulah Kuale from Duel. That's all coming up on Endeavors. Hi there. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another episode of Endeavors. It actually snowed yesterday morning here in Victoria uh, quite early on and then it turned to slush and sleet and went away. But I mean, it hasn't snowed in April in Victoria for quite a number of years at least as far as I can remember I mean I was away for 12 years before I came back so um you know it could have when I was away but yeah it was very uh strange spring truly here uh I guess we won't really know. I got two great interviews uh, coming up today. Uh, a little later on in the show, you'll hear my interview with actor Beulah Koale uh, from the film Duel. But my first guest is... Kristen Booth, and she's in a new film called Marlene. I actually briefly talked about Marlene at the end of 2020 when I interviewed or when I was covering uh, the Whistler Film Festival, uh, and I interviewed actress Julia Sarah Stone, uh, who's been on a, a couple of times, and she, I think, had three different films um, in the festival, possibly four, I can't quite remember, but yeah, she just had a bunch of stuff come out all at once, and... One of them is Marlene. And Marlene is based on a true story. And it's a Canadian story. And it, it might be, if you're of a certain age, one of the most famous Canadian cases uh, in history, in the history of Canada. Um, Stephen Truscott was just, I think, 14, 15, uh, young boy, 
when he was convicted of the murder of his neighbor, who was, I think, seven or eight. Uh, and at the time, he was sentenced to death. And then Canada abolished the death penalty. And so his sentence got commuted. And then he was paroled. And when he was a young man, he met this woman, Marlene, uh, who had actually taken an interest in her case when, or when he was still in prison because she felt that uh, the evidence didn't add up and that he was innocent. Uh, there were a number of reporters involved and it was, it was a big deal even back then. And that was the, the, the seventies. So they met and they ended up falling in love, married and starting a family and there have been movies and, and films made about Stephen Truscott before. Um, Andrew McDonald's novel, uh, The Way the Crow Flies, is sort of inspired by the Stephen Truscott case. But this is the first time that that story has been told from Marlene's perspective uh, and her 40-year journey to exonerate her husband. Uh, and it finally happened uh, uh, a number of years ago. He was... Um, He he won his his appeal and he wasn't declared innocent. He was just declared not guilty and was awarded damages. And the film Marlene is about that journey from the time of the killing to Stephen and Marlene's early years right up until the uh, over overturning of his conviction. Uh, as I mentioned, it stars Julia Sarah Stone as the young version of Marlene and Kristen Booth as the adult version of Marlene. Uh, it is in theaters now. Um, it was released April 8th. This is my conversation with Kristen Booth. Kristen Booth, hello. Good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm well, thanks. So, uh, We've got a, a film out here, Marlene. Um, yeah. You, you portray Marlene Trescott, the wife of Stephen Trescott. And mm -hmm. this is, a, I would arguably say, one of the most famous cases in, in Canada. How familiar were you with this case uh, when you took on the role of Marlene? I had 
very little knowledge about um, Stephen's case, other than the fact that I knew he existed and that um, he ha had been uh, convicted and uh, sentenced to hang at 14. Um, and then that eventually that sentence to hang was commuted and, and that he had been released and was living his life somewhere. But other than that, I had no other knowledge of, of his case. You know, when you portray a real life person or, you know, have a story that's based on real life events, there's always a lot of different types of resources and, and, and research available. Um, are, are, you, are you the type of actress that, that likes to do a lot of, of, of reading and, and, and research beforehand? Yes, I am. So I actually, the way everything sort of uh, happened with this film and this role was that I was offered it about two weeks before we actually went into filming, went to camera. So I did not have a ton of time to do the research. However, as soon as I was cast in the role, I you know, voraciously read all of the biographies, Julian Shear's book, um, and uh, watched the Fifth Estate documentary about 14 times. <laughs> um, and then I was lucky enough to actually meet Stephen and Marlene Trescott and sit with them for about an hour in their home prior to shooting. Uh, and then Marlene and I stayed in contact via email, basically throughout the entire um, three-week shoot. Uh, and of course, there's there's another actress that's playing uh, the young version of you, uh, Julia Sarah Stone. Yes, Julia. She's I, so, she does such a beautiful job. I, I actually had a chance to, to speak with her when, uh, when the film was, I think, playing at Whistler um, mm -hmm. in 2020. Um, did, did you two get to, to meet each other at all during filming? And, you know, were you able to incorporate some of her mannerisms into, into your acting and, and, and vice versa? Well, yes. Yeah. So Julia and I, unfortunately, Julia shot the first day. I was um, booked on something else and couldn't get there for the first day of shooting. Uh, I wasn't scheduled to shoot my any of my scenes that day. She was doing a lot of her scenes um, with her mother. Um, and so I met Julia on the second day of shooting and we, we, on a break, uh, we sat and chatted and I told her about meeting the Trescots and what that was like. And I gave her some info on sort of like what I had picked up as far as mannerisms from Marlene and the, uh, you know, the dynamic in uh, Marlene and Steven's relationship and shared those with her. So we sort of, you know, had a brief um, meeting on that, you, you could say, and, and then, and then that was about it. We kind of went on our, on our separate ways as far as, cause obviously she plays the younger version and I play the older version. So, um, we did, uh, in the end have managed to have a nice dinner together at the end of the, or near the end of the shoot. And, um, that was quite lovely, but as far as like she and I on set, it was very, very brief. But I mean, she's great, isn't she? I mean, I've talked with a, a few people who, you know, have called her sort of Can Canada's it girl for a while, the, the, the last couple of years. Um, mm -hmm. what, what was your, you know, what was your, I guess, experience in, in just getting to experience her and, 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 and be in the room with her? 
Well, I, I mean, first and foremost, Julie is an absolutely lovely person. Um, so it was a pleasure to spend any time with her at all. And then, you know, uh, when I see, I've, I've seen previous um, films that she's done in her work and she's a fantastic actress. So, uh, you know, I, I was so pleased when she was able to come on and play the younger version. Uh, I actually had seen her in a previous film and recommended that Wendy look at her for, for the younger version. What, I guess, it d- surprised you the most about um, Marlene and, and, and this character? I think probably her, Marlene's, uh, tenacity and her strength of conviction. I mean, obviously for a woman to spend most of her life, the better, like over 40 years fighting for justice for her husband, um, you have to have a certain amount of tenacity, uh, and, um, a stubbornness, so to speak, uh, a commitment that I think a lot of people lack Uh, especially today in our society of like everything has to be quick and, and we want instant gratification Um, for Marlene, you know, the gratification didn't come for over 40 years. So I, I mean, I, I think what surprised me or maybe what I admire the most about her is a better way of putting it is that just her commitment and her um, sheer will to to see it through and to not give up even when you know I think everyone including Stephen and the rest of her family were like okay you need to let this go you can't keep doing this and and she she would not give up and that is an incredibly admirable trait and eventually she 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 won you know I a case like this where he was convicted at 14 and, and, and sentenced to death at such a young age and then had his, had his sentence commuted. Does it make you either want to be an activist for, for, for change or cause you to think differently about how the justice system works? Well, certainly... <laughs> It's a tough question because certainly there are injustices that we witness every single day. And, and some of them are on a smaller scale and some of them are on a larger scale, like up in, up in the upper echelon of the justice system. I mean, I think as, I think it's very important that we stand up for what we believe in and that we search, search and seek justice, but it also is um, very challenging to commit yourself to something like that because of just how many injustices there are in in this world. And I think you can, you can almost become overwhelmed and paralyzed by how much change needs to happen in, in our society, in our world today. And, and so, yes, to an extent I, I do. And I certainly, um, when I feel I have the energy and, and the, ability to make a difference and to, to try to implement change. I certainly do, but I also feel like 
um, just as a human being na- navigating the world and, and my life and my family. And, and now for the past couple of years, COVID, I mean, it can get absolutely exhausting. So I think that's also one of the things that is, you know, well portrayed in the script and then ultimately in the finished product of the film is just how exhausted Marlene was, you know, in the end. How, you know, in, in a film like this, which is very much, I think, uh, a, a character study, mm-hmm. how closely do you work with, with the director in terms of tone of the film, how you want the character to come across, et cetera? Um, I actually feel like it's a far more visceral process. That, that's a quite... I think that's quite like an intellectual approach to it. And I think ultimately for myself and for Wendy, it was a far more visceral, like organic approach to it. Like, you know, she spent years writing this script and and spent a lot of time speaking with Marlene and doing the research. And then ultimately when Wendy and I met and came together uh, on, on set and with the other actors that it became a very organic process that, you know, you do your homework and you know who this character is, but then from that point on, once you get on set, it's about being in the moment and interacting with the other actors and, and just trying to find the truth in the moment and the emotion and, and what is happening, you know, in that scene specifically. She's also done some documentaries uh, in in the past. Do you think that helped uh, in in crafting this story? The fact that she sort of comes from this real life world, real life storytelling world, so to speak. Oh, certainly. I think Wendy's um, background in documentary filmmaking was um, very apparent in in this project and um i think because we were de- we're dealing with a true life story those skills that she had that she's had had a time to develop have um certainly contributed in a positive way to the film because i think it feels very uh very real and very when you watch the film you become a part of that life like you're a fly on the wall and in, in the trustcott's home did you have any favorite moments or, or, or perhaps a, a, a favorite scene that, that you did while making this film? Uh, well, sorry, which, which moments or theme? Cause no, sorry. See, uh, scene, not theme. Oh, scene. scene. I apologize. Sorry. I thought you said theme. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Um, you know, I wouldn't say that there was a favorite, so to speak, um, or, or, but certainly I, I have to say that this was an incredible experience filming this project. Um, we all worked, the crew as well, not just the actors and Wendy, but the crew was an incredibly talented group of people. Uh, we, we came together uh, and became a family very quickly. Um, and so I felt like just an overall support system that was there, which allowed me to do my best work and to delve into the, you know, deeper emotions of what Marlene was going through. And that, that kind of always surprised me because I would do my homework 
you know, and work on the scenes and, and whatever and prep everything. And then a lot of times I would arrive on set and we would begin working on a scene and I would be overcome with these emotions, really strong emotions. Um, and they would kind of shock me. It would kind of be like, hey, this is just a scene disgusting, like, you know, uh, boxes of documents and such. But then all of a sudden it became so much more when I was there in the moment. And I think that's the power of this film and this and Wendy's ability to tell stories and uh, and the and the power of this story specifically, because it is so yet there is such a um oppositional sort of uh thing happening throughout this entire thing like the film is so much about these documents and these boxes and these you know this stuff that's on paper that you and in and in, in a sense that could be very dry and very boring but i think what was so beautiful about it was when you got on set and realized how deeply the emotion ran through all of this and that it, it, it just sort of like lifted off the pages, so to speak, and, and, and had a life of its own. Um, what was your, how, how much did, did you and, and Greg, who, who played the older version of Steven, um, how, how closely did you two work together about, uh, crafting your relationship and, and, and that dynamic? Uh, well, certainly I discussed, you know, we discussed um, uh, the relationship and the nature of the relationship. And when I came back from meeting the Truscotts, I was able to relay my experience to Greg. Um, Greg also read the um, biographies and watched The Fifth Estate. And so it was... Um, you know, a lot of it, again, like we did that sort of research and, and then we discussed, but a lot of it was, you know, the nature of just getting into the scene and working together and discovering the emotion and what was going, like, you know, what was really happening under the skin, so to speak, of, of these people and, and what was happening in their hearts. What kind of dynamic do you think it brought to the film that the the younger version of Steve and the younger version of Greg was played by his actual son. Um, I'm not. I actually don't. I'm not sure. I mean, I think, I think certainly, um, you know, on a sort of surface, uh, the appearance of things like they have a similar look and a similar way of carrying themselves. Um, I I I can't speak to what they discussed. Um, in their preparation, uh, uh, you know, playing the same character. Um, but, you know, it certainly, it certainly, I think, brought a, a believability or a, a familiarity to those two characters, which was great. You, you mentioned, you know, you, you got to meet Marlene and Steven and, and you sort of have kept in touch with a little bit of them. Mm -hmm. Do you know how, how do they feel about the film? Um, as far as I know, uh, I haven't spoken directly with Marlene or Stephen about it, but from what I hear from their son, Ryan, uh, and uh, from Wendy, when they saw the film, that they're very happy with the film, which, you know, um, is, is such a gratifying thing here, because really, at the end of the day, when I took on the role, it was like I wanted... I wanted to do Marlene justice, you know, 
um, which was, I think, part of the reason why I was so anxious and, and willing and wanting to incorporate her in it, you know, like her feedback and keeping in touch with her throughout the project. It was so important for me to tell her story the way she wanted it to be told. When, 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 when you have that pressure placed upon yourself, either in, internally or externally, mm-hmm. it, it, I guess, can, can having that weight just lead to a, 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 a better performance because you know there's so much riding on it? Uh, I think... I think certainly for myself, yes. I think um, knowing that Marlene, the woman that I'm portraying, is going to sit and watch me, you know, at work is is a certain amount of um, pressure that kind of fuels you throughout. Um, and it and it does lend for you know a very unique sort of experience as an actor to be able to meet the person that you're portraying and be able to take from those meetings elements that you know you can pepper into your into your performance and ultimately you know like when I play characters that do exist in real life and that are still alive um, I, I very much try to incorporate things that I see and I feel from them, but then I, at the end of the day, I have to let that go um, and hope it permeates in, in, into the performance, but I can't be consciously thinking of that because then it becomes more of a caricature and not a, an organic true um, realization of, of, of the person, of the character. Why do you think stories like this, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a long, a long fought fight for justice or, you know, and, you know, a, a famous historical event. Why do they continue to, to fascinate us as, as people, as, as consumers? And, and what do you think we can still learn from them and about them? Well, I think, you know, in some ways, I see Marlene as a superhero and I think there, we have a fascination with super humans, you know, like we have a fascination with people that have the strength the tenacity, the commitment and courage to do something like Marlene did and, and commit herself to um, 40 over 40 years of it. And I think also, you know, we're fascinated by um, stories where people get pushed to their limits, you know, poor Steven was 14 years old and, and, and ready and waiting to die, you know, thinking, sitting in a cell at 14, thinking, okay, any day now they're going to come and and I'm going to be hung. Um, I think we, as a society are fascinated by those types of stories because they're so outside of the norm. They're outside of what we, you know, go through on a day to day basis. And so I think they, they are ultimately super, superhuman stories and i i believe that marlene is is a hero and i think her story is fascinating because of all those heroic elements the audiences who watch this film is there something you 
want them to take away from the film at all? Well, certainly um, the fact that uh, injustices happen in our country and around the world every day, um, that people can be wrongly convicted of crimes they didn't commit for any number of reasons and that it's we cannot sit back and be complacent about that. We have to take action. And I think, you know, Marlene is an incredible role model. And, and I think, you know, going back to that question you asked at the beginning of the interview about, you know, standing up for and, and recognizing and, and calling out injustices, we have to do that. And, and, you know, I certainly believe as an in, individuals, we can't, we cannot commit to every single one we see, but we certainly, uh, if something is close enough to our own heart uh, and we have the ability to do something about it, we should. Well, the film is Marlene. Uh, it opens select cities on April the 8th in Guelph, Toronto, Edmonton, and Calgary, uh, and then expands on uh, April the 11th, and then finally a couple more places on April the 15th. Kristen Boo, thanks so much for your time this morning. Thank you. All righty, you have a good day now. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was my conversation with Kristen Booth, who is the star of Marlene, uh, which is about the Stephen Truscott case, written and directed by Wendy Hill Tout. Uh, it is out in select cities now, including Guelph, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, Penticton, Kelowna, and Winnipeg, among others. And it expands into Regina on April the 15th. From real life, we move to fantasy, and particularly what our future might look like. You know, in the last number of years, there's been a lot of talk about cloning and posthumanism. I remember talking with a, a posthuman philosopher on this podcast a couple years back and various forms of technology overtaking us and cyborgs and, and population control and this, that, and the other. And writer-director Riley Stearns takes a look at that in his new film, Duel. That's D-U-A-L. It takes place in the near future where a woman finds out she's dying. Uh, she gets a terminal cancer diagnosis. And so she chooses this program, if she will, where she can create a, a clone of herself to take her place with her boyfriend and, and with her family um, after she dies. And then 
a year on, she discovers that she's cured and she won't be dying. And that now, because there can't be two of her, she has to fight her clone to the death. It's a very interesting storyline and a very kind of unique way of looking at possible questions of future human life extension and expansion and the relationship between humans and technology. It, it stars Karen Gillan of my favorite show, Doctor Who, and New Zealand actor Beulah Koale. Uh, I had a chance to talk with Beulah uh, not too long ago about the film. This is me and Beulah Koale. Beulah Koale, hello, how are you today? Yeah, good, man, good, how are you? I'm doing, I'm doing all right, I'm doing all right. Uh, I just had a chance to watch Duel. Uh, what, a, what a fascinating little, uh, little, little slice of a future maybe we want, maybe we don't, I don't know. Um, That's a question for yourself, man. <laughs> what, uh, what drew you to the role of Peter? What what uh, what drew me to the role of Peter was, I I guess just wanting to work with Riley, uh, you know, and and wanting to work with this particular genre, which is kind of like uh, weird comedy thriller sci-fi, um, you know, it's a it's a combination of a bunch, and um, just his particular style and how how he shot things before films before, I I wanted to be a part of that, so that's initially what drew me to Peter um, and then just to have the chance to, to act against um, Karen Gillan and meet right uh, Aaron Paul and see everyone which says you know that's a dream you know you always you always want to up your game and and, and go against the best so yeah you, you you mentioned Karen and you know the the film was about her her and her clone so how was it for you when you're essentially acting a with two Karens in, yeah, it was, in the same scene. That was fun. That was fun, man, because, you know, I love acting and it, I basically got double the opportunity to act against two different characters in one film. And it was, it was fun watching it from an outsider's perspective, watching Karen figure it out logistically in her head, how she was going to play against herself. And she had to... Um, she had to predict how she was going to act towards herself, even though she wasn't there. You know, she was talking to a stand-in. And, um, yeah, that was, it was great, man. It was a whole mind trip. The whole film was a, was a trip, but it was, a, it was good. Uh, and what was it like shooting in, in Finland? I, I know that became quite a, quite a whole thing for the production. And, the, you know, they started sort of mm. their own thing with the Tampier Festival and all that. Yeah. Yeah, it became. Um, I mean, it was great for it was great for Finland and Tampere. You know, have a have an American Hollywood film shot there, and they they're awesome. They're an awesome little city, man. They looked after us, and then it was great for the film 
because like no one knows as an audience member you don't know where to place this film because you've got a whole bunch of different accents the, it doesn't look like America it kind of looks like you don't know where you know it's in Europe somewhere but the buildings the architecture um, the gloomy um, sky um, and, it, and it worked for this genre that Riley's kind of made up this weird sci-fi comedy thriller um, you know everything was kind of off kilter um, so I enjoy that that's what Finland helped do for the film the accents were interesting, you know, because there's there's sort of the vague sort of Scandinavian accent. Karen's got her very sort of stilted way of speaking. And, you know, you have to do an American accent, which is maybe the most normal in in in, yeah, yeah. in, in, in all of film. What kind of conversations did, did you have with Riley about that in terms of how the character speaks? Yeah, well, you know, that conversation didn't really happen, but like because the film was initially going to be shot in America and everyone was going to have American accents. So we didn't really change much. Like I didn't change about talk. I mean, I guess I could, could have talked to him about like, maybe you have a New Zealand accent, bro. You know, <laughs> maybe she, maybe she hooked up with a Kiwi somewhere and uh, you know, they, they got to, but it, I, I enjoy doing the American accent and figuring that out. But, uh, it's cool hearing those different accents in one film, man, because it like it makes the audience think. Because you you you're never you're you're never comfortable. You're just like, what? What's going on? You're like, that's what art's supposed to do. Or to me, I think art's supposed to make people work. You know? What would you say the the American accent is easy? It, does it does it come naturally to you? Oh no, definitely not. No, my American accent was terrible when I first started. And I, I still struggle with it now. And I feel like anyone, because Karen's got a real strong Scottish accent. And she was very hard with her American accent. I think it's perfect. But I, I think everyone who's not an American that has to do an American accent always find ways to try and improve their accent. And I'm always trying to figure out ways to do mine as well. Yeah. You know, this this film, I think, brings up a lot of interesting questions about morality and, and, and mortality. Um, do you do you ever think about, the, you know, the, the, the future in that way? You know, would would you clone yourself if you could as, as a way of living forever? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, nah, I wouldn't, man. I, 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 honestly, I, I wouldn't clone myself. Um, just because I, I feel like, you know, it would, it'll make life a little bit too easy for me, you know, because then it's like, well, I get another, I get another shot, you know, even though it's not actually me, but, you know, um, I enjoy, no, I enjoy death. That's pretty dark. I enjoy that, you know, knowing that it's going to come to an end. So it makes those moments more bitter. Um, you know, you don't take it for granted, but I don't know, to each their own. Maybe, maybe I just make a clone just to be like, okay, this is the clone I play tennis with. Um, okay, I just leave that clone in that room and then go find another clone that I, I, I just make a bunch of clones of myself to hang out with in different situations. <laughs> does it, does it make you, does doing a film like this make you think about mortality though at all um, in maybe ways you didn't before? Yeah, uh, I, I, I definitely, 
I definitely feel like that does for anyone who thinks about, you know, you know, life in that way as well. It's, uh, yeah, Riley's very, he's very tricky with the way he makes his films and how he makes you think. So, it, it, it strikes me that, you know, we've been seeing a lot of film and, and television and culture kind of in the last 15 years obsessed with DNA and, and, and genealogy and sort of how that affects mm-hmm. technology in the future. And, and, and this film fits right into that. Uh, as, as someone who's taken part in this film, do you, can you think of, of why we, we seem to be really, really into that sort of topic lately? I feel like, cause it's kind of, maybe it's kind of happening in the world, you know, like, you know, we're, we're at the, um, we evolved, man. We're humans. Like we've evolved from right in the beginning, and we're, I guess we're trying to figure out. Maybe arts just putting it out there. Like maybe we're trying to evolve as well, man, and uh, figure out new ways of living. And uh, it's scary because we don't know what that looks like. I, I was watching a bunch of uh, Elon Musk documentaries uh, two nights ago about traveling to Mars and you know, getting people over there. And it's like, you start thinking of these things that you thought was impossible, you know, with like cloning. But 30 years ago, no one ever thought that they were gonna make 14 versions of this iPhone, you know? Um, so it's kind of like people are putting out their ideas that sound ridiculous, but maybe it could happen, you know? And it is slowly starting to happen, even with like 3D printing and stuff. You can like, they're saying you could 3D print organs or something. I was like, what? This is crazy. Well, you know, I think that brings the bigger question about, you know, these these robots are and humanoids that we're seeing more of that can, you know, become smarter than humans and maybe eventually take us over. What do you what do you make of that? Dude, I think that's the scariest thing ever, man. Like, you know, I I listen to a couple of things where they talk about it or I think about it as well. I'm like, Dude, I'm glad. I hope that's not in my lifetime. It's <laughs> and just like, yeah, but I, I can, you know, a lot of stranger things that happened, man. Like 50 years ago, if someone was to come back, someone who died 50 years ago was to come into this world now and see what it looks like now, they would definitely not recognize it, you know, which is, um, you know, it's good and bad as well. What a, it's uh, just life. One of my favorite moments is, you know, her her training session with Trent and sort of how he makes her not averse to violence. And it seems like, you know, with everything that's happening in the news cycle today, we are desensitized in a lot of ways to 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 to, to blood and, and violence and, and horror. What do you think that says about us as a as a people? Oh, well, yeah, well, we're very much exposed to a lot of this stuff as well. Um, especially what's going on in the world right now. It's crazy. But we see it on the news and it's just like, you know, even for myself, like, well, I don't know what happens like in this world. And it's, that's, it's so weird that that happens in this world. And I'm, I'm used to looking at images like that up on the screen and, and you know, and then, and then a commercial comes in, you know? And it, like, I'm used to that happening. So it's kind of... Uh, yeah, we've evolved in that way that it's, you know, we're not used to seeing things that we're supposed not supposed to see, but we're so used to it. 
uh, I don't know if that's good. What do, would you say you had a, a favorite moment or, or scene to film? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, There's the a favorite scene, favorite scene in the film aesthetically as well is um, when me and Karen are sitting at the diner and there's like a two shot with the trees in the background and kind of like at the climax of the scene, we didn't have no wind machine, but the trees just start going crazy um, in the background. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I remember shooting that in the moment going, wow, that's art right there. Um, and then another scene where he breaks up with her outside of the house where he's just finished, um, you know, talking to the mom and um, Sarah's clone inside and um, he breaks up with the old Sarah and he gives his big monologue to her. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But the highlight is of the film is definitely Aaron, Aaron and uh, Karen's dance dance battle in that film. That was, uh, it was just out of nowhere, man. He just drops that, drops that tune and then starts dancing. Well, the film is dual as in d-u-a-l uh which had its premiere at sundance earlier this year uh and will be in theaters on april the 15th bula Kuali, thanks so much for your for your time today thank you appreciate it buddy all right take care cheers very rest of your day that was my conversation with actor bula Kowale. he is one of the stars of the new film Duel by writer-director Riley Stearns. Duel, D-U-A-L, uh, hits theaters April the 15th. That does it interview-wise for me today. Uh, as I've said before, things are... A little, I don't want to say up in the air with this podcast, but um, I'm not doing interviews as frequently um, as I once was. I've got a lot of film stuff happening, and, you know, I'm slowly working on outsourcing a few things, whether it you know, maybe answering emails or doing some marketing, running my, you know, running a Patreon page or, or Facebook or Instagram or, 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 or things like that. And so, you know, eventually I think these things will, um, come together. Uh, but, you know, hopefully, uh, I'm still going to try to do, you know, one show a week, um, if I'm lucky to, just just depends on, you know, how many uh, interviews I do and how much I work and how much I'm trying to focus on getting my own stuff made, my pilot, my, my film, everything like that. So uh, anyway, thanks for uh, sticking with me all this time and uh i hope you'll you'll stay with me and the show as i sort of transition uh into a new era or you know just sort of i guess 
rejig um, a little bit uh, how this is made. Uh, my short film Le Vessel just got into a thing in uh, Barcelona. The, I think the festival itself is in September or October, so that's exciting. And my other short, Rabbit Girl, uh, I want to officially congratulate my cinematographer, Cass O'Neill. Rabbit Girl won Best Cinematography at the Eastern Europe Film Festival uh, uh, and was also... Uh, Best Fantasy Short at the Paris Shorts Film Awards. Congratulations, Rabbit Girl team. I love you so much. The Vessel, Mel, Frady. You're my peeps. You rock. Frady, thanks for introducing me to Mel. Mel, I don't need to uh, explain our friendship It's and our partnership it it transcends a lot of things it is what it is thanks for tuning in i will see you next time ciao for now